755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with Eric O'Flaherty, my co-host, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? How you doing out in Seattle, man? I'm good, man. Waking up. We're, we're recording a little early this morning. What do you mean? This is live, dude. <clears throat> <laughs> we're taking callers today. Oh, we are? Live. That'd be uh, fun. Yeah, this is – hey, we got stuff to talk about, man. We I saw actual baseball being played this week, and, God, it was great. I, it's been a long time since I felt so <laughs> – uh, thrilled just to watch baseball, to watch an intra-squad squad scrimmage oh, game, man. and a controlled scrimmage at that. I mean, if, it was awesome. <laughs> if, if you would have told me this time last year I'd be watching a Mariners uh, inter-squad game on YouTube at 10 a.m., <laughs> that would have been a tough sell. But yeah, I, I'm the, in the same boat, man. It's just good yeah. to see baseball happening. All the teams put them on YouTube. The Braves didn't even have any sound, and the camera was, you know, up in, up in the press box, one angle. And, like, people were thrilled just to watch it. Didn't matter. Just watching their guys down on the field. They can't see the – there's no names, or they can't see the numbers from that distance. It didn't matter. It could have been a bunch of guys from Costco and Acuna and Freeman jerseys, and people still would have been fired up. I'm the same boat, though. Some of the teams are doing it right, though. They're doing um, – I think they brought a whole camera crew on. Yeah. Like this, the Mariners so, have three yeah. or four different camera angles. They track the ball going in the stands and stuff. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw a couple of them on MLB Network. A couple of teams had, had cameras down in the batting cage or down on the field, and that was a really yeah. cool experience for the fans. Uh, yeah, they all should do that and have sound. But uh, uh, the sound would be interesting because the guys – you can hear the guys from the press box in-field conversations. It is no way. How empty. Yeah. You can hear guys talking, you know, not uh, not necessarily shouting, but just talking at a pretty high level. Like from, from, say, shortstop to second base, you can hear that from the press box, man. It's so empty. Well, that's why I was saying I wouldn't mind a little crowd noise if I was playing. Yeah. I think some guys don't like it, but yeah. for me, that, that, that eerie silence, man, especially if you start throwing ball one, ball two, and it's just dead silent in the park, you know, that chatter from your dugout kind of dies down. Um, I'd want any noise possible. So they're playing the walk-up songs for the batters. Yep. And they're playing the pitchers' warm-up tunes. And yeah, it felt and initially it's kind of uh, jarring. You're like, oh man, that's weird. You know, you're here. It's like the music just burst of music for like 20 seconds, and, and then it's, it's quiet again, <laughs> and then it's quiet, and you can hear guys talking. Hey, all right, uh, you know, hear you guys talking. And uh, Camargo walked up. And he had a Latin song playing, upbeat song playing that I play, you know, and it stops. And Acuna's in right field, and you could hear him singing. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he went on for like it's another weird. 10, 15 seconds as Camargo's getting into the box. He knew the beat. Yeah. He knew the song. You know, I think one thing that sounds cool, though, is the crack of the bat in an empty stadium. Yes. Especially you with know. a guy like Acuna hitting. Or the pop of the glove, things like that. You don't really get to hear uh, with a packed stadium. So, I mean, there's a little different angle there, but it's. I think they're doing it too, just so the guys get used to it. Did you see the pitching ninja had a had a uh, had some footage of uh, Degrom, Degrom fastball? Yeah, yeah. The, the the pop of the mitt. Yeah, I love that sound. Yeah, sounds a little little louder when uh, Degrom's throwing, huh? Yeah. So fans will get a different look. I mean, it's definitely going to be a new viewing experience. 
Well, the TV's, you know, TV's going to have mics all over the field, just like they normally do. So you're going to pick up a lot of stuff. I mean, they'll be on delay. Five second delay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. they'll have to be, I guess. But you're still, they're going to let a lot of stuff go, I'm sure. You're just going to hear a lot of cool stuff, I I think. And if they're smart, they're going to mic some players. I hope hope that the union has not uh, shut down that possibility, because that would be cool. You could just do like a two-minute delay and mic a ton of guys and make sure it's all clean by the time it gets to air. (laughs) A two-minute delay. Nobody's going to know the difference. Well, people listening on radio will. <laughs> did people do both, though? Nobody watches and listens on radio, right? Some people do, yeah. Some people that don't like their local broadcasters. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, so some people do that. Or they just like the, you know, it's a little bit different call on radio. Yeah, uh, yeah. Especially some older radio guys. They like, It's more uh, nostalgic sounding. And the radio fills in the blanks, you know, more descriptive. So some gotcha. people like that, yeah. Yeah. Or they're walking around the house or doing shit, you know. So you so you got the radio going, you can hear it everywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you got okay. TV two minute going. delay is a little long, then. Yeah, <laughs> that might throw you off a little bit. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, good stuff from Brace Camp. I mean, for the most part, uh, you know, they needed some positives, and they got them in the first two days of this. After what was nothing but kind of downers in the first four or five days of camp, with guys opting out and guys testing positive and all that. So. Uh, we'll get a little bit to the to the to the up to the upbeat stuff of Fulte and uh, and uh, and Max Freed especially look good. Uh, but, but first, I want to Kenny uh, Rosenthal pointed something out in his notes comps today on the Athletic, and it was you know we don't have a just speaking between between us we don't have a a uh, timetable yet for Freddie's return. Freddie Freeman, he tested positive, and that's the thing with this coronavirus. Uh, situation is so different than any other injury is there's no timetable because it just totally depends on the individual and how soon his body overcomes the virus obviously but how soon he'll test positive or test negative because he's going to have to pass two negative drug tests uh two not drug drug tests no uh, COVID-19 tests and you know Freddie likes to come back sooner than he's ready and and yeah and you can't do that with this because you're going to have to pass those 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 tests yeah, I mean, you'd be worried about their energy levels and stuff yes. too if it hit him if it hit him really hard. Uh, luckily, man, Freddie, like I said earlier, like he could just roll out of bed and hit at least two eighty with yeah. you know. So sure. I think you don't have to worry about him. You know, the timing, a couple more weeks, I think he's ready. You know, as long as he can pass those tests, I I wouldn't even need him to get in at bat, and I'd feel comfortable throwing him in major league games. Right, it's just passing passing the. You got to pass the test though. Yeah, I mean, is that next week or is that next month? I I don't know. And, you know, most people, especially younger people, don't really have any long-term effects from this. But some people, it lingers for weeks and weeks. And they're, ta- you know, talking two or three months later about how they're still, get- they're still feeling weakness. So, yeah, that's all- these are all big question marks that you cannot equate it to a normal injury or even overcoming a normal illness, you know. Like Freddie and other guys have come back from having flu symptoms, that kind of thing. Well, this is different. You know, we just don't know how long it might linger or if it'll linger at all. So anyway, Kenny pointed out how between Freddie's being out indefinitely and Nick Marcakis opting out, the Braves have got a shortage of left-handed hitting options as well right. as a shortage of clubhouse leadership. And those are two of their big clubhouse leaders right there, two 30-plus guys in the clubhouse have been around forever, a decade, and in Nick's case, a decade and a half. And you can't just pluck them out and, and then – you know, you got some some other veteran guys you added, but 
they're not comfortable yet, especially after the shutdown of probably asserting leadership, you know, especially like Will Smith, for instance, he's still on the COVID list. You know, he's out. Uh, Darno, you know, he's, not, he's just getting acclimated to these pitchers and all that. So some other guys are going to have to kind of step forward to leadership. The guys like Tyler Flowers and, you know, among the pitchers, you know, can Cole Hamels be a leader if he's, you know, just easing into this thing? I don't know. Yeah, and the other side of it is it's not like a normal, you know, oblique or something where you're still hanging out in the clubhouse every day. You're right. gone. You know, there's there's no there's no chance to even have any leadership because you're not actually around. You know, if if a if a veteran guy's on the DL, you're usually still conscious of that person in the clubhouse and and not wanting to let them down, and and you know their eyes are on you. But if you're if you're sitting at home, man, you can't do any leading at all. So they'll definitely want to you know, get him back in the clubhouse as soon as possible, but it's not going to matter if he can't pass a test. And the other thing that complicates it right now is uh, the clubhouse is literally, you know, they're using both yeah. clubhouses in order to have social distancing. The first few days they, they staggered the workout. So the whole team wasn't even together. So they've only been together about three, four days now. And uh, you know, they're using both clubhouses uh, to spread the guys apart some. So it's a very odd situation. So it would be a hard time to really assert leadership uh, for a guy trying to trying to slip into that role, when you really need it, you know, just, yeah. just everybody's thrown off their game and kind of looking for direction right now. I saw the Red Sox had guys up in suites. You know, they they made wow. locker rooms up in their suites. Wow. You know, that's how wow. spread out they are. But because there's things so small, their clubhouse so small. This will be the hardest year of all time to build team chemistry. Just you're just not spending time together. But yeah, yeah, you, know, you got to find a way. Everybody's working under the same conditions. Yeah, uh, and as far as the lefty bats, I mean, there's not much you can do about it at this point because there's not no. like there's a whole lot of lefty bats available. Teams that even teams that are going to be terrible this year, they can't wave the white flag before they've actually played a game, you know, because their fans are going to look at that as, "Are you kidding me? It's a 60 game season. This thing's wide open. Even a crappy team can play can get hot for 40 games and be in this thing." You know, you see teams that throw up the white flag and do like a three year rebuild that are in the mix in, in mid-May during a normal year. Exactly. You've know, seen the Marlins. Marlins been in first place in May uh, and had finished 40 games back. Uh, it's it's such a short year. Everybody's got to go for it. Yeah, so there's probably some of those teams that are kind of kicking themselves and wishing they hadn't gotten rid of some guys, you know, before this thing comes out because you don't have an excuse to do it right now. It's just so obvious what you're doing if you do it right now, you know, just trying to save money and you're just giving up. You're giving up yeah. with your players because the players are going, look, we might not be good enough to, to hang with the big boys for 162, but we can. We might be able to do it for 60. That's, I mean, that's the main reason I was bummed they didn't get expanded playoffs because yes. there's there's got to be at least one or two teams that sneaks in this year that just doesn't belong. Right. And then they'll just get rolled in a, in a five-game series early on. And on the other hand, having an expanded playoffs would have prevented a team like last year's nationals for instance from being eliminated you know not right. making it in and you don't want your better teams and everybody knew the nationals were good once they got hot everybody knew they were good you know everybody yeah. knew they were good even when they were bad early but that would have prevented one of those teams from getting left out of the loop and from and a crappy team being in instead of them so but anyway we don't have those expanded playoffs so i mean it's going to set up for a fun september i know that so with freeman and marcakis uh out as two of the Braves, you know, their, their top left-handed hitter and one of their tops, because even Marquecas, even though he struggled last year uh, against lefties, he still hit righties. And without them, you've got Ender Inciarte and switch hitting Ozzie 
Albies and Johan Camargo basically as the only left-handed hitting options. I mean, uh, proven guys coming back. So that ain't much, and there's not much out there either. Freddie's condition's improving, but we don't know when. Yeah, it it really matters in this division too because you got Degrom, Scherzer, and Strasburg. You know, in your division, you know those those big time starters. There's a lot of really good right handed pitching in this uh, in this division. You'd want to have some lefties to combat it with, but again, like there's nothing you can do. You know, you just you got to find a way to beat them. Yeah. So when Freddie gets back, they're gonna need him to you know to to hurry the build up, build up the nine innings quick. You know, and not have to take a break or skip a game every other day. You know, that kind of thing. But uh, they added Bryce Ball, and we talked about Ball, Bryce Ball, a.k.a. Ball Bunyan. We talked about him during spring training. <laughs> I was I really taken that. by this guy, man. He's uh, I don't know if you saw the footage of the one game where he they had a televised game where he got to play, and he, he had a long bomb, but he's huge. He's the first baseman. He's like 6'6", six, 6'5", six, 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 six. His nickname, his first nickname is Drago in the minor leagues because he looks exactly <laughs> like Drago from the Rocky Four. He uh, – He's about six five six six and about two fifty. Ripped, uh, fresh faced young guy, blonde guy from Dallas Baptist. He's from, he grew up in Iowa, and he looks like a corn fed boy. But he is uh, he he has got huge power, but he's not ready yet. And and they and I think a lot of fans might have saw him added to the sixty man pool a couple of days ago, and thought or yesterday and thought you know oh he's up for the you know to replace Freddie. Well no he's not. That's not it. They put him in a pool at Gwinnett, like we talked about with some other guys, you know, that uh, top prospects that you don't want a season wasted basically in their development. Because he's a guy who was a first-rounder a year – or I'm sorry, he was a, a late mid, mid-late rounder a year ago out of Dallas Baptist and really came on strong last year. And they didn't want him just kind of having to take a step back or not have anywhere to play right. this year because he's got a long way to go. And he's only yeah. played 21 games above rookie ball, and that was at low A. So now he could come in a year or two, who knows, but he's not ready now. And they wanted him. He's like guys in the same situation as last year's first rounders, uh, Braden Shoemake and Shea Langoliers. They're in that 60 man pool, but they're not going to be ready this year. But they're getting reps. And also uh, Schuster, the, uh, the first round pick this year out of Wake Forest, the pitcher, not going to be ready this year, but they're getting them reps. And they said they would add some more prospects to that if they had the spots and they didn't need to use those spots to pick up other guys. So Bryce Ball is one of the first. They added, you know, two spots to that 60-man pool when Marquecas opted out and Felix opted out. So they were down to 54, I think. So now they should be at 55 with Ball added. So they still got – they could still add a guy, five guys if they want, and they will at some point. You know, it's a cool opportunity, though, to, to get to compete against – high level talent, you know, kind of before you're ready in these, mm-hmm. you know, the taxi squad games, whatever they're doing. Yeah. The stats aren't going to count either. So you could probably just focus on the you're not going to know if you're hitting 197. You know, you're just going to know that you you took a you had a really good at bat and hit a home run off a triple-A guy. That's uh-huh. just got a lot of big league time. Like there's a lot of positives they can pull from that. So it'll be kind of a diff, a totally different uh learning experience for these guys, but yeah, they're not going to be ready for the big leagues. I mean, you, you playing an A ball last year you get thrown into the big leagues, man. I mean, you see 21-year-olds in the big leagues all the time. Uh, rare, yeah. uh, not all the time, but it happens. Yeah. But it's it's about kind of hitting each stop uh, and, right. and figuring out each stop. And that's that's how you grow is by playing against competition that's just a little bit better. When you get exposed to big league pitching, you're an A-ball guy. Yeah. I mean, when, when I'd go pitch in rehab games, I'd have a 6 or 7 ERA my last few years. Uh, yeah. 
in the big leagues, and I go pitching those A ball games. It was like pitching against little kids. Right. You know, right. they swing and miss sliders. They chase yeah. bad pitches. You know, they just haven't had time to learn. Um, they just haven't faced enough quality pitching to really compete against big leaguers yet. But this year could be a huge year, you know, growth wise for a lot of those guys getting to face that high level talent and not have to have stats hanging over them to know really how bad they're doing or, or how great they're doing, but just get to practice against those guys and engage it. Yeah. I think being in an, being a, uh, following an organization, being a fan of, or, or writing about, or talking about an organization or, uh, that has had the success the Braves have had recently with really young guys, yeah. kind of gives people uh, it's 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 deceiving because people think they forget Soroka and especially Acuna are the big time exceptions to the rule. Yeah. They're not the rule. Yeah. Do you no. see that? You might not see another guy come up and have that kind of impact. Like uh, you were Acuna at 21, Soroka at 21, for you know, and Ozzy Albies at 21. At one point, they had the three youngest guys in the National League in on one team. Yeah. You might not see that again for another decade. You know, where the Braves yeah, have a 21 year old up in the regular lineup or rotation. I was in the big leagues at 21, and I was completely overmatched. I just happened to be left-handed and throw 93, right. and I could just kind of skate through the season, but. Realistically, like maturity-wise, I probably should have been in Double A, figuring out a lot more stuff, learning the changeup. But just being left-handed and having a good slider, I kind of got fast-tracked. Yeah. But the the levels, man, like uh, that's my favorite. My favorite comparison I've heard is uh, Brian McCann always says it. You know, he says like people think that you go single A, double A, triple A, and then you get to the big leagues, it's like four A or five A. Uh huh. But you're playing against Albert Pujols, who's in like. 67a right now you know that that's the level he's playing at and same thing with the pitchers like max scherzer right now if there's 150a he'd be he'd be ready for that league right so that the the jump is just so drastic because there's no higher level for these guys to 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 get to when they get to the major leagues but they keep getting better so it's hard to kind of gauge that as a fan but yeah um the big leagues is just a different level man that's why you see prospects hitting 27 home runs in in triple a and they get up to the big leagues and they get sent back down in two weeks is this, it's just a it's the highest level in the world. Yeah, the guys like Felix, uh, King Felix, and and Gary Sheffield, who debut at age nineteen and stay yeah. in the major leagues, are the, special. the rarities. You know, even yep. a guy like Chipper Jones, he didn't come up and play in the big leagues until he was like twenty. Uh, well, he's, he had a call up, I think, when he was what twenty two. But his first full season was what twenty three or twenty four. I mean. You know, and his he was first number, year was a strike year, wasn't it? And he was no, yeah, he was a number one, he he was a number one overall pick in the draft. Yeah, yeah, twenty three was his first year. Yeah, and he had two. Hit Chipper Jones hit two sixty five. So, Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, you know, Acuna is just such a we can't it can't express how rare Acuna was because he and he hit every stop like you said. It's just that he was a man among boys at every stop. You know, he spent like two months at each stop. So and he. And he's he's not that he's he's not even close to his potential as a baseball player because he's learning at the big right. league level. Right. He's just extremely talented. Where his talent is just so extreme that he's able to go onto a big league field without even you know knowing what his approach is or what he wants to do. Like you saw him get out of that slump last year. That's one of those big growing moments where you kind of take off and and maybe he made some adjustment that he can keep carrying and ride out, but. Most guys, man, yeah. you need so much time to get ready to play in the big leagues. So I wouldn't, you know, a guy like Ball, if he winds up in the big leagues this year, something went extremely wrong. Oh, they'll have to have 20 guys test positive for COVID and uh, three, yeah. and 10 others get hurt. Yeah. I mean, and I really like this kid, but he's yeah. not ready. 
no. you know, if you look at Acuna at 21, people forget he came up. They just remember the big points because there were plenty of them. But he came up, had the homer in that first series at Cincinnati. But it wasn't long before he was slumping, and he slumped yeah. for about a month. You know, he got hurt. Remember, he got hurt then in Boston. It was when he came back from Boston, you know, and we, we thought he might be done for the year, and he was only out for like two weeks. But he yeah. came back, and he got hot again. But if Acuna, who's the best prospect I've ever covered in 25 years, if he can do this and struggle at age 21, you know, a, a ridiculous talent. Imagine imagine what a guy like Ball, who's a normal, you know, 21-year-old guy who struck out a ton in rookie ball, uh, you know, in A-ball. Imagine what he would do in the major leagues if he was thrown in there right now. He might strike out yeah. four out of five times. <laughs> yeah, and in the minor leagues, they miss a lot more spots. You know, you, you can have a hole in your swing that doesn't right. get exposed. But if you got a hole in your, in your swing and you get to the big leagues, they will just hit that spot over and over and over and expose you. But honestly, I mean, if he if he's playing in those inner squad games, you know, with the taxi squad, and he's just destroying everybody, uh, you'd you'd consider it, you know. But he's going to have to really tear it up there and things like that. And it's just, I wouldn't see it happening. I, t- I tell you what, though, uh, the DH in twenty twenty two, we're going to have yep. the DH. This kid, I wouldn't put it past him being ready by then. And he is made for the DH in a team in an organization that has Freddie Freeman at first base. Yep. Yeah, that's why I couldn't be a GM, too, because if I had Drago in my organization, I'd want to fast-track him. Yeah, yeah, he could be brave the DH by then. You could you could stick him in the outfield, and he could be, you know, better than Adam Dunn out there. But, I mean, he's a big dude, but can actually run a little bit for being huge, but he's not an outfielder, and he's not going to play any other position, obviously. So, Freddie's not going anywhere, either. And Freddie ain't going anywhere. So, But he's a man. Talk about the DH coming at the right time. This kid's got that stamped all over him. And he did it, and he also did it in college, too, quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, he's got the power. Huge power. Huge. Um, and and Seitzer told me he liked him. He liked his overall approach, his swing, too. He said he could actually hit. He's not just up there just, you know, wailing. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. got to follow. I'm going to really look forward to seeing him at spring training last year after he does this for a year, you know, three months at uh, – the whole uh, satellite camp, uh, taxi squad thing. It's going to be interesting to see where he is a year from now. And he's still growing, too. I mean, he's still growing. <laughs> That's the scary thing when you see a dude that big. Yeah. Sometimes, though, you, you wonder if they're going to get, you know, too big. Yeah. Even Acuna, man, I've seen him. He's put some weight on this year. Um, oh, it's good, it's good to it's. I know it is. It's good yeah. to see on him. It's good but weight. if you, you think about him when he gets to 25, 26 and keeps putting on muscle, you know, it, it slows right. guys down and stuff. Right, right. You get like Trout. Yeah. Who's pretty huge? He's not stealing, you know, thirty-five bases anymore. He can still run like crazy, but he ain't, you know. Yeah. If Acuna's going to be a fifty-fifty guy, I think it needs to be in the uh, next year or the year after. That's just my. I'm just speculating, but I think those are the. After that, I think he's going to start cutting back on the stolen bases to stay healthy. Plus, he's just going to have some time in the league and not feel like running all the time. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's not going to have that yeah, energy, that youthful energy game seasons piled up pretty quick. Right. Him and Albies are not going to have that 17-year-old's energy forever. Albies might. I mean, he's got a different motor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like 5'6". You're right. He's a, yeah. Dude's a spark He's a plug, specimen. <laughs> he is. He is. He sh- and he's shredded. Yeah. He is something. Yeah, they're fun to watch right now. Yeah, and they're getting yeah. around this stuff with no contact. They're they're still managing to show their emotions in some ways. They've got the the guys have got a thing after the home runs we've seen so far. They're doing a thing now where they're tapping each other's toes 
So I, I, I just – some guys, it's like Darno tried to – you know, he did it while running. He tapped Ron Washington. <laughs> fell over. <laughs> he didn't fall over, but I'm waiting for a guy like to kind of – you know how you kind of bound awkwardly to, to, to for one leg to stick it up to toe tap? I, I'd hate to see like a guy pull a hammy on the other leg as he's kind of bouncing <laughs> I'd love to see Wash trip somebody who'd been talking too much shit because everybody, everybody goes back and forth with Wash. It'd be great if somebody just said a little too much and Wash just left his foot out there a little longer for him. Hey, listeners. Producer Cam here to tell you about Manscaped. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing undercarriage deodorant and moisturizer, because we all know how painful chafing can be. Subscribe to the Perfect Package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code THEATHLETIC, all one word. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. So what we've seen out at the ballpark, um, the first two intra-squad scrimmage, they had intra-squad controlled scrimmages, they called them, because, as you know, they, they control the situation. In other words, uh, uh, Freed had a quick inning, first inning, three outs, one, two, three. So they left him in to face another batter. So we had a yeah, situation in the first scrimmage where each of that, each half inning in the first inning ended on a three-out walk. You know? I saw that. I was trying to figure out what was going on. I figured they were just kind of managing it, you know, pitch count-wise. Right. And if a guy has like a seven-pitch inning, you might you exactly. might want him to get to about 15. And we had another inning where it was a two-out inning instead of the inning. So – they're not gonna, they did that for two games. That's going to stop Monday. They're going to have more of a just a regular intra-squad scrimmage, and they're actually bringing in umps. You know, MLB is assigning umps to to teams' regular intra-squad scrimmages. So they'll have a real ump starting Monday. They had uh, Braden Schlehuber, the, the jack-of-all-trades, was up the first game. You know, the guy that also was uh, the special assistant who was the, also the bullpen catcher for those guys at uh, Campbell High, the trio of Soroka, Freed, and uh, – Soroka – uh, and he's been in the organization forever. Duke. Yeah, he was a minor league catcher when you uh, you probably threw him something. I've thrown to him. Yeah, yeah. Good What's he dude. doing now? He's a he's in a special assistant. Special assistant, and he catches when he need when they need him to. You know, catches bullpens when they need him to. He would he jumped in there and umpired. You know, the first game. I think he was in the second. <laughs> I didn't really pay attention to the second one, but you know, one of those guys that's smart does whatever they want him to do. Yeah. be the guy that can turn to to do a lot of stuff but does some scouting that kind of thing so the baseball guy baseball guy yeah you know a guy like a young snicker mm-hmm. so but yeah we had uh the good news was in these things has to be the pitching i mean you can look at you know a couple of home runs but who knows you know if pitchers are working on something left one over the plate so that's good to see the the home the the power from Duvall. He had a, he had one to right center that was impressive, and uh, Darno hit one to straight center off Nuke, and then mm. also William Contreras, the catching prospect who is on the forty man roster, unlike Langoliers. So 
a lot of us kind of thought Langoliers might have leapfrogged over Contreras when they when they drafted Langoliers in the first round last year. But Contreras is kind of showing. He came into camp this year in really good shape. He's got a good body. His brother, you know, is catcher for the Cubs, got a good body. Okay, that is his brother. That's okay. his brother, older brother. And Contreras has a really strong arm. He's good defensively, got a strong arm. But he's got some pop, as he's shown in spring training and again here in these uh, exhibition games. And he uh, he hit a bomb. And he's they've had him and Jackson, the other catching prospect, who's on – well, he's not really a prospect. He's kind of fringe. But he's the guy that they get to turn to right now as a third catcher if they want to because he's played some of the big leagues. But they've had them in the outfield in these controlled scrimmages because they needed somebody out there. So – and Jackson's been in center field. People forget he actually played. They actually, the Mariners had him in the outfield. They drafted him. He was an All-American, prep All-American catcher. But the Mariners tried to play him in the outfield because they thought they could rush him to the big leagues as an outfielder. And that was a bad mistake because he really struggled in the minor leagues with them, you know, hitting and, and trying to be an outfielder. He's too big for it. But he's played outfield in these controlled scrimmages and actually made a nice catch in center field. This <laughs> thick-legged catcher out there. and He could actually run around a little bit. So, But – Anyway, him and uh, Contreras have played both games, and Contreras has looked good. I mean, he's a, he looks like a guy that could play this year if they need him, you know. If Flowers got hurt or somebody tested positive for COVID, he looks like he could actually step in there if they needed him to. And give Where was you more he at last year? And give you more than Jackson, you know. Where was Contreras sides. at last year? Triple A. Oh, Triple A, okay. Uh, yeah. I think, what, did he finish the year at AAA? Look that up while... Uh, while uh, double A, AAA. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, he hit he hit 246 in AA, about yeah. 60 games. He's continued to develop. He look, he's looked good in spring training, and now he, he really worked hard in the offseason. His body's really good. Yeah, uh, catcher's one position where it's, you know, you could provide so much value, and guys are usually more mature uh, behind the mm-hmm. dish than they are at the dish. Right. You know, so there, that's a position you could throw a guy and, and not feel as exposed if he wasn't quite ready. Yeah, because Jackson, they've had, you know, they've given him a few, you know, granted, uh, not extended opportunities, but in the limited opportunities that he's had, he's just looked overmatched at the plate. I mean, he's struck out a lot, and he's not going to really take control of a pitching staff. I don't know if Contreras is ready to do that or not either, but uh, he's made some progress. So he might be the guy they turn to this year if they need a guy. And there's a good chance they could use a guy too because you never know. With with COVID added to the mix, you gotta have some depth. Gotta have some guys ready. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so the good news from these two inter-squad scrimmages, though, was which I was getting to was Max Free in on Wednesday looked really sharp, and then Fulte yesterday looked really sharp. Uh, Nuke gave up a couple of solo bombs yesterday. He was the other starter, but Snit was overall pleased with Nukem too. He said, "I know he gave up the solo homers, but I th- I thought he looked good. Otherwise, he, he thought he made some pitches." He throwing, if he's throwing strikes, yeah, you know, he was, he was both of them were, but Freed especially looked sharp. You know, he was out in LA during the shutdown. He wasn't with the, the trio of guys here who stayed back and, were, and worked out here the whole time. But while he was in LA, he was working out with his brother in the backyard. He just graduated from college, also plays baseball. But his throwing partner, the guy that he threw with, uh, through batting practice with at their old high school, Harvard Westlake, was none other than Jack Flaherty. That Jack Flaherty mm. with mm. Cardinals. So they were throwing together over at Harvard-Westlake and also threw some BP over there. They got some – I don't know who they had hidden against them, but they threw some BP and threw some uh, bullpens over there together. And Freed really took the time to work on his changeup and his delivery. And he said he's felt comfortable, more comfortable with both. 
staying back in his delivery. And then also that changeup. He threw like three of them in Wednesday scrimmage and said he really liked how, how it came out of his hand, liked the feel of it. He's scary with a changeup. <laughs> I think he he's a guy that, you know, his breaking ball I think is always going to be there. It's just natural for him. Uh-huh. So you definitely want to devote more time to, to that third pitch. But Freed with a changeup, man. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that his fastball curveball combination is so good. He's he could have a good career with just those two pitches, but if you start mixing in a changeup, he could be a Cy Young. He could he could win a Cy Young. You know, people forget him because he had you know missed a couple of years with TJ, so he's not 23, 22. He's like twenty five, um, and his other guys come along, and people just think they surpassed him as a prospect, and they haven't. This guy's still like you said. The guys who know pitching, the catchers, the other pitchers, they all universally just rave about this guy. McCann came in, caught him a few times uh, last year in spring training and said, he reminds me of young Cole Hamels. The look on the mound, you know, physical appearance, but also the stuff. Yeah. And he said, and that was when he was working on the changeup last year. But they put him in a bullpen, you know, and he really kind of thrived in his limited chances in a bullpen because he really airs it out. That fastball just lets it yeah. go, and he's 98 out of the bullpen. Yeah. And then that hammer of a curve, and like you said, you had a changeup to that. Uh, uh, Flowers said, Flowers told me at spring training, he said he's got the best stuff I've ever seen that I've ever caught. Damn. And he said, and I caught Chris Sale for a couple of years. I said, he's got better stuff than Chris Sale. He goes, Raw stuff, better. He's got better stuff than Chris Sale. Yeah, Chris Sales, I mean, he's he's got that angle too. I think plays for him, right? But that's, I mean, I don't know if you can get a better compliment as a left-handed pitcher to say you have better stuff than Chris Sale. I mean, yeah. his only issue has been health. If he stays healthy, he's lights out every time he steps on the mound. But yeah, with with Freed, you know, the, those injuries probably hurt him a little bit. Uh, development-wise, and then it's the same concept. If you're throwing Freed stuff and able, mm-hmm. you can suck and still have a great year because uh-huh. his stuff's just his stuff's just going to carry him. So he's one of those guys that's not really going to learn how to truly pitch and and how bad you know know how bad he needs that changeup till he gets to the big leagues and and faces guys multiple times that can handle him. Um, but yeah, I mean he had a great year last year, seventeen and six. Yeah, and. Uh, he didn't even have that change. I mean, he had a changeup, but it wasn't it wasn't a go to. If he had a changeup, he can throw in like a two zero count and stuff like that, and, and he's comfortable with it. I mean, the sky's the limit for him. And each time that he, you know, he had he missed the t- almost two full years with the TJ when he had, which yep. he had when he was with the Padres, and the Braves traded thought so much of him they traded for him while he was still recovering from early in his TJ recovery. Right. So, and then he gets to the big leagues. You know, he had blister problems in the minor leagues. Really messed him up. He had to spend down on the DL. But when he came back from the DL after the blister problems in double-A, he looked so good in his first few starts back. They rushed him to the majors when they needed a starter. He comes yeah. up, had some really good starts. And just when he and, – and once again, it's like he can't get out of his own way because, unfortunately, the blister situation. So he has his best start in Milwaukee. Uh, or, or with the card against the Cardinals in St. Louis. Then the next start out, he develops a blister, goes back on the DL. So it's almost like every time he gets into a groove, he's had that blister yeah. problem or something else pop up. And now last year, he really started, you know, had some sustained, healthy runs, and we saw what he can do. Um, I'm with you. This guy, this guy has potential to be right there with Soroka to give them a one-two combination that could be as good as anybody's. 
you know, he, among he young needs guys. to go do some construction work in the off season or something, toughen those hands up. Yeah, I, I don't understand the blister thing, but you know, a lot of guys have it. And yeah, you, you, you honestly you can't put pressure on on it. It messes everything up, and I get it. Right. But he's got to solve that. Eventually, uh, guys do. It seems like. Yeah, I don't know what the solution headed. is. There's different types of like tough skin and things yeah. you can put He's over. Tried him, everything, man. I cannot imagine having his talent and letting blisters. I know. You know, be my my big hangup. There's been a lot of good pitchers though. The dude with the Dodgers. He's talked to him a lot about it. You Derek know, Lowe used to get him all the time too. What's his name with the Dodgers though? The other, the left hand uh, guy's in his thirties now. He had a Hill. Kershaw. He had, no Hill. Oh, Rich Hill, yeah. Yeah, he had Cur- Cur- nothing held Kershaw. Maybe it's back. a curveball thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe it could be, you know, with that friction. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but Al Leiter had it for a while, too. He had it, and he told me he tried everything, you know. Um, yeah, but guys eventually, it seems like they do, whether it's just getting older and get calluses enough times where, you know, you callous enough times where it just won't, they won't develop anymore. But yeah, you, he's got a, he's a guy you obviously stick with until you just keep hoping that it uh, you know gets over. But he's so good and he's so intelligent and yeah. aggressive. He's got all you want from the mental side and the physical side. It's just staying healthy. I mean, he does that, and this guy, the, you know, I I still think the sky's the limit with with uh, Freed, even though he's a few years older than Soroka. Yeah, but you could take the age. You could you could almost take a couple years off of his age, you know, because he yeah. wasn't really pitching those no. years. Um, and it, it, with him, the thing that always stuck out with me was his intelligence. Mm-hmm. He was asking questions when I'd go. I, I went on a lot of rehab assignments my last few years, uh, some phantom stuff. Uh, he he would um, he would ask questions that doesn't that, happen. <laughs> no, well, you when you have a seventy RAs. <laughs> If you if you go in the training room with a seven ERA and anything hurts, they give you your choice. They give you your choice. Well, no, it's just kind of like yeah. I think that this little bicep tendonitis you got, you know, it's a big deal. You should probably you should probably get a couple, uh, you know, take a week off and buy yourself some time. Do you agree? Uh, <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah, I mean, normally you're like, well, it's either that or if you if you keep putting up that seven, you're going home. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the, the trader goes, do you, you agree? A, oh, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. let me get, I mean, let me get a little breather point. here. I'm getting torched out there. <laughs> but you were saying yeah, but, what free... What, what uh, free he just free. asked questions. You know, other guys, they want to they know, you know, what the hotels on the road are like or, you know, if, if it's crazy <laughs> right. pitching in the stadium. Freed's, Freed's asking questions about the hitters and things like that yeah. and, you know, mechanical questions and thought process on the mound. The, the questions he was asking me, I, he he always stuck out to me with his maturity. I didn't know if he was – I didn't get to see him throw when I was there other than a bullpen or catch, so I didn't know how talented he was. But I just said, like, if that dude's got any talent, I think he's going to be a big leaguer, and he's got a ton. Yeah, he's got a ton. He was a huge prospect coming out of high school when the Padres yeah. first rounder and all that. And he was the Padres' number one pitch prospect before he got hurt. So, uh, But like I said, yeah, his, his age – is actually his pitching age is younger than his, his physical age. And you look at guys like, say, say King Felix. He threw over 2,200 innings before he turned 30. Yeah. And yeah. that's why nobody knows how young Felix is. When you tell people he's 34. 30, 34, yeah. They're shocked because right. they've, they've seen him pitching the big leagues since 2005. Right. And uh, Freed might get to age 30 and only have, what, uh, just over 1,000 in- innings? You know, yeah. twelve hundred maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I have to look at it, but yeah, to be twelve hundred if he throws two hundred for the next five years. Yeah, so there you go. So it's just, uh, you know, he might, he might, he's a guy that might be pitching at thirty four. You know, when Felix is on the board edge of retiring, 
a guy, you know, there's other guys like, you know, the Kershaws who are still going strong in their early 30s. Well, Kershaw's not a good example because he's kind of fading, but he's got a ton of innings. But there's a plenty of guys who are in their 30s have not thrown a ton of innings, had the injuries early. and, and uh, Like DeGrom. Yeah, yeah, it's that theory, you know, like DeGrom, what didn't didn't really uh, break through till he's 26. He got caught 26. up at 26. Yes. Yeah. So there's that theory, you've only got so many bullets in your arm. If that's true, yeah. then you stretch that out. It just depends on how when you can use them. Some guys don't start using them until their mid-20s. You know? Yeah, DeGrom's 30, 31. Oh, he'll be 32 this year. And he's I, got 1,100 innings. And I never think of him as being that old. I always think of him no. as a guy that's just getting his career going. It's just it's all about mileage. It's about mileage more than it's about you yeah, know, age. That's amazing that he's only what three years younger than King Felix. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and you you'd think they were fifteen years apart. Some guy told me on Twitter yesterday because uh, because uh, our Mark Carrick was talking. I had a story about what's it going to mean to win the MVP or the Cy in the sixty game season, and somebody on Twitter said. Somebody's going to win the side this year with eight wins. I said, dude, somebody won the side the last two years in the NL with 10, 10. and 11 wins <laughs> in a 162-game season. So yeah. what, what would that – Eight wins would be a pretty good year this year. So what would that equate to if DeGrom had the same year for 60 games? Four wins, five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Win the side with five wins. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah, five and eight. weird – Five and eight with a one eight zero ERA. <laughs> Fifteen homers will get you the home run crown too. You twenty might, fifteen yeah. twenty might. You're you're damn real. It might depends on what ball they use. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a nice ball this year. <laughs> I think it's going to have some carry. I think it is too. Judging from these inter squad scrimmages, you know the two that we had, uh, had a couple of guys hit them out uh, yesterday, and 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 then uh, Charlie Culberson hit a two run bomb off Grant Dayton. I don't know what that says. Of course, Culbertson's came in the last inning to tie it up. <laughs> Did it really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you two, can't help it. They were down 2-0. He tied it. The game ended in a tie. But Grant he Dayton, just needs, man. He needs to pretend is, it's the ninth inning in, in the first. Yeah. I looked it up. He's got eight of his 23 career homers have come in the ninth inning or later. I looked it up last night. You can't teach that. Nope. <laughs> so, the three-and-a-half-month shutdown does not appear to have adversely affected uh, – uh, either Fulte, who, like I said, worked out every day. Soroka also looked good the other, in his uh, in Wednesday in his inner squad. Not as good as Free did, but he looked good too. And he's looked good in his uh, batting per line BPs. So you had Soroka and Newcomb and Fulte all worked out basically six days a week at Campbell High School here in Smyrna in suburban Atlanta. They even threw live B- they threw bullpens twice a week, and then they started throwing live BPs late. Guys like Acuna. Uh, Ozzy Albies and Camargo, who kind of were the traveling trio this uh, this during the shutdown, you know, <laughs> have ball, will travel. They went or have bat, will travel. They went around, and hit everywhere, batting cages. They were they just played every day somewhere, and they went out and they were hitting against these guys at Campbell some days. So those guys, the the work is really paying off. I mean, you you said at the start of the shutdown, we're going to see pretty quick who the guys were that were on the couch for the shutdown and the guys that were out there throwing. Well, we're seeing it because you had those three starters. And you had uh, Freed throwing every day or throwing a lot out in uh, L.A. with Jack Flaherty. So that's four of their five starters. We haven't seen Hamels throw yet because he still hasn't thrown a live BP or in a game. But the four out of the five all look pretty good. Yeah, and you're always going to see pitchers this time of year. I mean, it's a weird time of year. But, this, you know, early on you're always going to see pitchers quite a bit ahead of the hitters. Yeah. Uh, just because depending on your workout situation, you don't know – 
I mean, you just can't face, you're not facing a, a Max Freed quality arm uh, unless it ap- happens to be him. You know, if you're in your hometown trying to hit off high school kids or taking BP, yeah. to get up to speed is always going to take the hitters a little bit of time. But it's still encouraging to see the guys look that sharp. And there's some hitters, man. Some hitters are, if you watch these games, there's plenty of guys hitting home runs and, and making the pitchers pay. So it's it, it's it's kind of I think it'll all kind of come together and and the playing level will get a lot more uh, just equal you know toward the end of, yeah. of this camp but it's still man there's going to be the season start and there's going to be a lot of hitters that just don't feel ready yeah, you know like they, weeks, they need more bats yeah yeah it's coming quick Fulte faced uh, what fourteen I think hitters in three innings one guy reached Culberson on a walk pretty good yeah you're facing ninety seven after you know. Yeah. Taking BP off your wife in your backyard, yeah. <laughs> whatever, yeah. guys. Everybody's got a different program. Yeah, they're gonna have to play yeah. some catch up. Fulte said that uh, Fulte said that he credited the, the the work that they did during the shutdown. He credited it for being sharp right now. Also said it was kind of weird going out there and pitching with nobody in the crowd. Um, he said he's gonna, you know, they're gonna have to find something to get them, you know, kind of jacked up when they do it in a in a regular season game. He said it's not gonna be the same as you know when you're facing the Nationals, you know. Uh, uh, with a crowd either booing you or roaring behind you, so. But uh, he said they'll get used to it. But it's just going to take some, you know, the, the adrenaline. He said they all wish the adrenaline was a kind of a drug that they could just take before they went out there, but it's not. I know a guy. <laughs> you could come, <laughs> you could come up with something. <laughs> uh, hey, just last thing: the uh, the, the the schedules. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, oh, and Fulte. One other thing I was pointing out, uh, I wrote something about Fulte today. They need him and those guys to step up. The reason yeah. this was so encouraging is because you don't have Keuchel, you don't have Julio Tehran, the, and Cole Hamels, we don't know if he's going to be ready when the season starts. They say they hope he, they think he's going to, but we don't know. So you're going to need somebody, these veterans, that, that are some guys that have been around to step up with Soroka because you're not just going to be able to, to lean on Soroka that heavily when the season starts. Somebody's got to step up, a couple of guys. Uh, Freed and 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 uh, Fulte both look like they could be that those guys to do it, and they're going to need it right away because you can't afford to struggle out of the gates. We've been over that those first two weeks. You can't afford to just have Soroka pitching well and nobody else. Yeah, and the thing with Fulte, you know, if you look at what Garrett Cole was doing in Pittsburgh, and then and then he just made that jump. I yeah. always look at Fulte the same way. Like the stuff is just so damn good. Mm-hmm. I always feel like he's so close to taking that step, and yeah. it'd be great to see him take it this year. Just yeah, game five was throw. so bad. People forget how good he was in game two when he outpitched yeah. Flaherty, completely outpitched yeah. Flaherty in game two. Yep, and uh, it's in there. The potential's there. Yeah, it's there. We saw it for the ten starts when he got back from the demotion to AAA. He was lights out. Yeah, six almost a seven ERA before he got sent down, and a mid two ERA when he came back. I think he's that's the guy he is. You know, I think for him it's it's an emotional thing and, and trying to handle uh-huh. you know, handle the failure and, and for him it's always just getting a little too emotional on the mound. Yeah. And honestly, you know, not having a crowd, that could help him. It could I, hurt I him agree. too because I agree. It could go either way because you you know, you're alone with your own thoughts without that that crowd noise for me as a pitcher, I'd I'd much rather pitch in a packed stadium. Like we used to go down to Florida, uh, that old Miami stadium in the middle of, you know, August day game or something like uh-huh. that. Those were the games I struggled against because the team wouldn't get you up. You know, you, they weren't playing for much. And then you wouldn't have any kind of 
uh, you know, adrenaline from the stadium. It'd just be this dead, humid uh, atmosphere. And I always struggled mentally to lock in and really focus and pitch like something was on the line. So it, it could go either way. But if he could just find a way to just stay calm and stay level and just let his stuff play, I mean, he's he's got – for me, just as much potential as Freed with his stuff. You know, we talked about the mound visits and how they're going to limit those and you can't go out there and all that. I think you can't have no the conventional mound visits. But when I was sitting at the empty ballpark yesterday thinking, you know what, though? You almost don't need the mound visits because they're going to allow the catcher Talk to kind to of him. take a few <laughs> steps toward the mound. So it, depending on how far they let him go, if the pitcher comes to the front of the mound, the, the dirt, and the catcher goes out to the edge of the dirt, they might be almost be able to have a conversation as long as they make sure the hitter can't hear them. Yeah, or you just got to say stuff the hitter can can hear. And honestly, the pitching coach can – you could yell tips. I don't know if you'd want a coach yelling tips at you from the dugout. Yeah. But you could pretty much communicate in a dead stadium just yeah. from the bench. Yeah, I mean, it's so quiet. God. Um, hey, real quick, the, three days after the 2020 schedule comes out, the 2021 20, schedule yeah. came out. I mean, that's something you'll never see again. You know, Get I, a little ahead of ourselves. <laughs> you know, some of us uh, cynical reporters were talking about why. And I, you know what I think it was? And I think there's truth to this. I think they wanted to get it out now while they're sure there's baseball. Because you never know with coronavirus if there's a spike. Because can you imagine them trying to release the 2021 schedule if baseball gets shut down again? <laughs> people would be like, no, yeah, no. whatever. No, you had to do it now. You had to do it now sure. while people are excited. So Yeah, but it's... You don't know what's going to be going on. It's hard to no. hard for fans to make any plans right now. And they clearly had this thing set, the matchups, uh, as far as the division opponents, interleague and all that, before the shutdown. Because there's no other excuse for having the NL East play the AL East again next year, after playing yeah. them this year. So the Braves ch- fans missed their chance to see Mike Trout this year because he was going to be here. They might, they might go Mike Trout's entire Five career with years. him visiting like one time. Yeah. He's been yeah, I think the time. last time – I know I was in the AL West when we came in 2014. That's what, the only it. time they came. Yeah. And that, that kind of sucks, man, because I was excited to have the Braves come out here to Seattle this year. I, w- uh, I, I wasn't sure me, if they'd man. just push it back a year, you know. Just, I, I know. Just I thought the they might. It made sense. Why there's couldn't they different. I think there's just too much stuff city-wise, you know, planning-wise. But Man, what the hell have they got to nice. plan, though? Unless it's around the All-Star game and stuff? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it could be that, too, but I just don't – it didn't make any sense not to just push it forward and move the other thing forward. Then you got a year where you don't – your schedule's done for an extra year. You know, look at it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't even have Give to plan the, it next You don't year. have to pay the schedule makers for one year. <laughs> just just write 2021 next to the 2020 schedule. Exactly, but they're not, not doing that. And they have the weirdest schedule next year, dude. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. One thing, I'll, I'll point out two things because we're running out of time here. We're going to get out of here. But two things. You know how the Braves have always struggled on the West Coast. When you were here, they pretty yep. much struggled on the West Coast. They, have, they, don't go to the, they don't go past the central time zone until the end of August. They That's have nice. all five NL West cities in a span of five weeks in August and September. They have five, two road trips, two cities, uh, what, uh, L.A. and uh, – um, LA and Colorado, and then San Diego, Arizona, and uh, what's the other one? San Diego, Arizona, and uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah, whatever it is, three of them are together. I've got it right here. But they go to uh, they go to LA and Colorado, August 30th, September 5th, for four games in uh, Colorado, three in LA, 
And then they have the longest. Oh, man. Then this trip, three cities, 10 games in 10 days, September 17th and 26th, middle of the pennant drive when your guys are on fumes to San Francisco, Arizona, and San Diego. That's brutal. Man, that's tough. At least they're staying on the West Coast that whole time. Yeah. I always I always hated it when yeah. you'd go like, you know, you'd go Pittsburgh and Colorado right. and then San Francisco or something, just be jumping all over the place. Like you were going but to yeah, this that's, year, that's, Miami that's, to LA. Yeah, that's tough at the end of the year. Oh man. But that's so far away. I know, <laughs> Who knows I know what's gonna be going on next year. Yeah. It's a nice trip for the riders. It is for me, man. Great miles and I love those cities, but man, for the team. And you're in a playoff race. If it's close next year down the stretch, and you got that, um, and you always have a ton of day games in San Francisco. You, yeah, it's like we always went there on a weekend, had Saturday Sunday day game and Love stuff like that too. There, man. It's um, unbelievable. And that leads as into a, the final final row. Uh, they finish at home or at home next year against the Phillies and Mets. So that's good. But that road trip, whew, they open it, and it seems like they open every year at Philly and New York. Now they open at April first at Philly next year. Three game series of Philly every year, and then Tampa. Just, just weird, man. How many times? And then the All Star game is going to be at Truist Park next year in Atlanta. First All Star game in Atlanta since two thousand. Oh, uh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, they didn't move that. Dodgers were going to be this year, Truist Park next year, and they just the so Dodgers, the Dodgers just lose it. Nope, the Dodgers go to twenty twenty two, but they left the Braves. Oh, okay. You know, and like I said, there's so much planning that goes ahead. People yeah. Making reservations and stuff that they didn't move. The they didn't move it back a year. So. Um, and then the last thing on there uh, that I was going to point out was something I have never seen. And I talked to Alex Anthopoulos, who's never seen it either. And I looked at some other schedules, and I didn't see any others that had it next year. So the Braves are off consecutive days, I August 25th, 26th. I have no idea why. It's just one of those quirky things that the schedule didn't work unless they do it, but they've never had it before. I've never had a team co- that I've covered had it before. Have you ever seen it? We had it when that hurricane struck right. New York. But not scheduled. But not on purpose. Never right. seen it on purpose. That's that's the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> but as Alex said, you know, I've never seen it either, but it might be a good thing. It gives the guys almost like a little all-star break here in August when guys need it, you know, the dog days of summer. Here you got two days I don't off. Want it. And, <laughs> I don't want two days off. And you're in the middle of a homestand. So it's like you're not going to be on the road where guys might, you know, go out and eat too much, drink too much, whatever. You're going to be at home for 25th and 26th after two two games against the Yankees and before three against the Giants. So that's weird, man. That's just no games for two days. The weird, the, the hard part about it is not doing – you wouldn't think it matter, but not doing any baseball activity for a couple of days in the middle of the season. I bet you do. I bet they have an uh, informal workout one of those days. Yeah, you'd have to work out that second day. At yeah. least take BP and throw some bullpens. Yeah. Yeah, they will. Got the bullpens that we're going to. Weird though, weird. I, I haven't got an explanation yet, but when I do get one, I'll, I'll pass it on. But I had not seen. So I thought maybe I started looking at other schedules that I'd see every team had it. So it was a scheduling thing, you know, to make the schedule work. But they don't. So it's just weird. <laughs> they'll get a they'll get a rain out or something though. They'll be playing on one of those days. Yeah. Well, there you go too. That could easily happen. Yeah. So they got that built in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's built in. All right, that's it. We're going to be back on uh, Tuesday. The Braves are going to have a regular inter-squad scrim- scrimmage on Monday with umpires and everything. So we're going to have some stuff to talk about. And they haven't had any COVID positives since that since the four went out, so that's good. And no more opt-outs since those initial two. So they're going to hope. Cross the fingers. And Kenny thinks Hopefully some other guys could opt out with other teams. If they start out slowly, he thinks guys could opt out that are close to free agency now. <laughs> 
that maybe need 10 days or something. He thinks it could happen during the season if, guy, if teams fall out of the race and guys are just uh, – it's not going well. Uh, if you duck out like that, yeah, though, you bad, get to your six it? years, that's a tough look. It looks bad. <laughs> that's a tough Lester look. Lester Posey, he thinks some guys might opt out just because they're, they're not into playing. Either way, if, if you opt out because you got to your free agency or you opt out because the team's like you know yeah. not going to make the playoffs and you just go home early September, <laughs> man, that's bullshit. you got to do it now, period. <laughs> yeah. you got to do yeah. it now, like Marcakis did. You see two days of yeah. it, you go, I'm not up for this. I'm out. No, nah, yeah. you can't do it once the season starts, man. You're leaving your guys in a lurch. Yeah. I don't care who you are, even if you're Buster Posey. Yeah, that's a tough look. All right, that's it for us. We're out. 755 is real. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all next Tuesday. See you Tuesday.